Hello, this is R.J. Deacon, reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Mount v. United States, certiorari to United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit, argued February 26, 2019, decided June 3, 2019. Petitioner Mount was released from federal prison in 2012 and began a five-year term of supervised release that was scheduled to end on March 6, 2017. On June 1, 2016, he was arrested on state drug trafficking charges and has been in state custody since that time. In October 2016, Mont pled guilty to state charges. He then admitted to a he then admitted in a filing in federal district court that he violated his supervised release conditions by virtue of the new state convictions, and he requested a hearing. The district court scheduled a hearing for November, but later rescheduled it several times to allow the state court to first sentence Mont. On March 21, 2017, Mont was sentenced to six years' imprisonment, and his roughly ten months of pretrial custody were credited as time served. On March 30th, the district court issued a warrant for Mont and set a supervised release hearing. Mont then challenged the district court's jurisdiction on the grounds that his supervised release had been set to expire on March 6th. The district court ruled that it had jurisdiction under 18 U.S.C. section 3583-I, based on a summons it had issued in November 2016. It then revoked Mont's supervised release and ordered him to serve an additional 42 months imprisonment to run consecutive to his state sentence. The Sixth Circuit affirmed, on alternative grounds, holding that Mont's supervised release period was told under Section 3624E, which provides that a term of supervised release does not run during any period in which a person is imprisoned in connection with a conviction for a crime, unless the imprisonment is for a period of less than 30 consecutive days. Because the roughly 10 months of pretrial custody was in connection with Mont's conviction, and therefore told the period of supervised release, the court concluded that there was ample time left on Mont's term of supervised release when the March warrant was issued. The Supreme Court held, uh, the decision is affirmed and Justice Thomas delivered the opinion of the court. Pretrial detention, later credited as time served for a new conviction, is imprisonment in connection with a conviction and thus tolls the supervised release term under Section 3624E. Even if the court must make the tolling calculation after learning whether the time will be credited. The text of Section 3624E compels this reading. First, dictionary definitions of the term imprison, both now and at the time Congress created the supervised release, may very well encompass pretrial detention and Mont has not pressed any serious argument to the contrary. Second, the phrase, in connection with a conviction, encompasses a period of pretrial detention for which a defendant receives credit against the sentence ultimately imposed. In connection with can bear a broad interpretation. That's uh, Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner, and Smith, Incorporated versus Dabbitt. But the outer bounds need not be determined here as pretrial incarceration is directly tied to the conviction when it is credited towards the new sentence. 
This reading is buttressed by the fact that Congress, like most states, instructs courts calculating a term of imprisonment to credit pretrial detention as time served on a subsequent con conviction. See Section 3585B1. Third, the text undeniably requires courts to re retrospectively calculate whether a period of pretrial detention should toll a period of supervised release by including the 30-day minimum. The statute does not require courts to make a tolling determination as soon as a defendant is arrested on new charges or to, to continually reassess the tolling calculation throughout the pretrial detention period. Its 30-day minimum incarceration threshold contemplates the opposite. The statutory context also supports this reading. First, 3624E provides that supervised release runs concurrently with probation or supervised release or parole for another offense, but excludes periods of imprisonment served in connection with a conviction. This juxtaposition reinforces the fact that prison time is not interchangeable with supervised release. United States versus Johnson. And furthers the statutory design of successfully transitioning a defendant from prison to liberty. Johnson versus United States. Second, it would be exceedingly odd construction of the statute to give a defendant the windfall of satisfying a new sentence of imprisonment and an old sentence of supervised release with the same period of pretrial detention. Supervised release is a form of punishment prescribed along with a term of imprisonment as part of the same sentence, and Congress denies defendants credit for time served if the detention time has already been credited against another sentence, section 3585B. Mont's argument that the statute present tense, statute's present tense forbids any backward-looking tolling analysis confuses the rule with a court's analysis of whether that rule was satisfied. The present tense phrasing does not address whether a judge must be able to make a supervised release determination at any given time. Moreover, any uncertainty about whether supervised release is told matters little from either the court or the defendant's perspective. As for the court, the defendant need not be supervised when he is held in custody. As for the defendant, there is nothing unfair about not knowing during pretrial detention whether he is also under supervised release. The decision below is affirmed. Justice Thomas delivered the opinion of the court in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Ginsburg, Alito, and Kavanaugh joined. Justice Sotomayor filed a dissenting opinion in which Justices Breyer, Kagan, and Gorsuch joined. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get a hold of the podcast, we can be reached at RhodesScholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S and eight zero.